Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz and Roni Abovitz. It's This Week in XR for July 7th, 2023. Good morning, guys. Morning, morning. morning. So you can see I'm wearing my costume. I, I said I was going to do it on the show two weeks ago, and it arrived just in time. My Zuckerberg v. Musk, Zuckerberg v. Musk t-shirt. Yeah, in, for all our, in, for uh, all our... The W... Uh, we style or whatever you call <laughs> for all our listeners for all our listeners that aren't watching uh the on youtube but listening on apple podcast or spotify charlie has a massive zuckerberg <laughs> versus musk logo t-shirt on promoting the will it ever happen actual physical tangle between these two well I, I think they're going to meet in court it looks like well, they certainly What's are happening in social media and, and Mark Mark took a couple punches, right? With his launch this week. What do you mean? You mean Elon? With his new Elon, uh, Elon, Elon took Elon. the punches. Yeah. No, no, no. Mark Mark did the first one because he launched his new service that I think got what 30 million people in one day. Yeah. Less than it. I think that's the first punch. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly throw the first haymaker, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Just in case you were wondering, we have the scale to go toe to toe with you. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Mastodon, you know, none of those other services, you know, Elon was like, oh, they can use our platform. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. None but of them actually, actually, though, I think, I think Mark has the edge in this one because like Elon builds hardware, spaceships, cars. You have to give him credit for that. But he's not been amazing at, at running Twitter, my, my perspective. But Mark understands social media, and that's what his team is great at. You can argue maybe he's not the best at understanding hardware or not. We, we, we don't have to go there. But I think Mark has the edge coming into this fight, right? The Vegas odds are in favor of Mark on this social media fight. I think so. And I, I think he, Sorry, go ahead. It said it certainly showed the the massive worldwide frustration of a lot of users that were willing to move to another platform and not just sign up, but actually post things. Apparently, there are a massive amount of threads now running and driving. And and I posted three times yesterday. There you go. And by, I by the way, did Twitter. you notice there's a lot of women supporting Mark's new service, right? And I think they're courting a friendlier atmosphere. Uh, more Instagram. How are they going to maintain that, though? Honestly, <laughs> well, we'll see. I, it looks exactly like Twitter. It works exactly like Twitter. I mean, if if that's illegal, they're busted. <laughs> Charlie, it was built by Twitter engineers that Twitter just threw out the door <laughs> and just threw them out and treated them. I oh, guess, absolutely. Badly. And, and, and Mark took like, them in and said things like, "We're going to turn this into a payment app." You know, it's, I mean, like everything that uh, that Twitter did would be undone. So well, it certainly, certainly provoked them if they needed any provocation. But, you know, again, knowing about social networks is not stealing intellectual property. 
So I think they've got a tough one there, although Facebook lost a billion dollars over this, uh, you know, just six years ago themselves when uh, they were uh, sued by Bethesda for right. the Soviet intellectual property that, that John Carmack thought belonged to him. But, but you know what, Charlie? Yes, Unfortunately, sir. and I've been on the wrong end of this, um, I mean, I think the ethically right end, but you could build IP, you can own the trademarks, you can own the trade secrets, and large companies are like, all right, I'll pay a couple billion dollar fine. That's nothing compared to the tens of billions I'm going to make by effectively copy pasting you. And unfortunately, this has been the way the Valley's operating now. It's like just tread over IP and know-how and 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 write a couple billion dollar check in court and 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 spend years fighting it out in court anyway until you bleed the other side dry. Um, and then it's not about originality. It's about copy paste. I hate to say that. Um, I'm always on the side of invent, build IP, be ethical, but you're seeing the business side is much bloodier and more brutal. And you'll see, you're seeing Mark's you know, strategy side come out. He's like, he's going to bloody Elon this way. It's going to be an interesting fight. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, you know, you could not make this stuff up. That's why I love my job. So before we jump into, you know, it's a slow holiday week, so the stories are not necessarily going to blow anybody's socks off but ted you're in very exotic city <laughs> doing so a very interesting thing with yeah. a very interesting guy who's going to come on uh, as our guest in about 10 minutes so why don't you tell us what you're doing and who's going to be joining us and uh and then we'll get to those stories and the guests yeah so as as uh, you know the, the folks that listen to this podcast which is growing week over week know we often try and have uh some interesting guests in the xr world and charlie really takes the bulk of booking those people and getting those people but every once in a while i'll uh, sort of connect the dots i actually think the the roni connection was maybe an initial connection of like roni you should be on our podcast because he and i were friends for a long time and then of course he became you know our, our co-host um you know ken's a potential uh future candidate for that too so so my am my i being replaced no not at all no, not okay. at all roni when the guest is on five times that's when you maybe could ask that question. <laughs> exactly. When exactly when uh, so when we bring Ken on in a, in a, in a minute or so, um, he and I have become really good friends. He is for for I mean I'm sure he'll he'll say no to this and won't want to take this level of like uh, who he is. But um, I I refer to him as as a modern Walt Disney. He's a visionary. He's a creator. Um, I feel like I'm doing an episode of Smartless because, you know, you guys don't know him that much and I know him really well. And I'm like, oh, I'm bringing the guest on today. So I'm giving you a little intro. <laughs> and you have to sort of guess who he is. Uh, he He's created one of the most impactful LBE VR experiences that has lived through the life and death and, and sort of rebirth of that. Uh, so he'll tell you about that. And he runs two amazing themed entertainment attractions in, of all places, Utah which is where I am now. So we uh, are spending some development time together. The, the uh, exotic Salt Lake City. Yes. Well, it's near Salt Lake City. It's actually a, a smaller city called Pleasant Grove, which is about a half hour from Salt Lake. Um, Utah is kind of a fascinating, fascinating place. So um, anyway, that's- So after all that buildup, are you going to you know say the guy's name and everything? Ken, Ken Brent Schneider is his name. And he's uh, he, he started something called The Void that some of our long-term listeners would know all about and it probably went to in various cities. I know, Charlie, you went to it a number Many of times. times. And um, we loved it. And and uh, now he runs something called Ghost, Evermore. Ghostbusters still may be the best. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and so he'll tell you all about that. Free Roam VR was pretty epic. That was the Void's first experience. 
Uh, and by the way, also true of Dreamscape, which is similar. Uh, you know, their first experience, Alien Zoo, was, you know, also still the cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you all about that. And I'll tell you about things that are maybe even more impactful. A, a, I'm going to let him describe it. He's going to describe it way better than me. Evermore, right? What the heck is Evermore? Let, let Ken tell you. <laughs> I've been there many times and we're doing some really interesting things together. And then I really wanted to tell you about The Grid, which is his sort of vision for the future. So uh, whenever you want to bring him on, I don't know if there's any other news to cover today. but whenever Yeah, you want to I mean, let me zip through the headlines for three minutes and you guys stop me if you have a it's getting boring. Uh, Apple's delivery dates are slipping and now they're only going to ship uh, probably a third or less than they were anticipating for 2024. That was a million yeah. units. So now they're thinking, you know, they're, they don't have parts for more than 130,000 apparently. Uh, maybe that's good for them. Samsung is delaying its headset. I didn't know they had a date. Supposedly, it also was set for 2024 and is slipping. But um, I did think that was really interesting news that they're delaying and apparently retooling, at least from what we've read from some of the press articles. Retooling. It sounds like they're up, vision a little upgrading bit. the display and presumably raising the. They price. have to copy Apple. I mean, that's what they did with the phone, right? Samsung is a fast, good copier of Apple, yeah, so they I were waiting. You telegraphed this last week on the podcast. You were actually talking about this, what was going to happen to the industry now that Apple has set a bar, a non-price sensitive bar. Price is not even a discussion point. It's just, this is what it's going to cost if you want to be the first. And now- Here's what's scary though. Imagine Meta actually teaming up deeply with Samsung, like in a for real way. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that is more Android- where yeah. Meta replaces Google, right? Google seems and, to be- And magically tech in the mix with that. Maybe, Rooney says maybe. <laughs> maybe, okay. So uh, also in this week's column, we have some hands-on with Xreal. I told them I wouldn't talk about it yet, but their new Beam add-on to the Nreal Air is pretty amazing. So more on that next week. Uh, Varjo, hands-on with the Varjo XR3. A $6,500 industrial headset. It has 4K displays that apparently just make you dizzy. They are so good. <laughs> um, Carmack uh, likes big screen beyond. Uh, and Sony is launching Mocapi, which is the cell phone-based motion capture for um, Vcasters or VTubers, people inside of VR who are broadcasting live into YouTube and Twitter. And uh, Humane, AI pin. Coming at the end of the year, my friends. So it's <laughs> it's MGM Sphere, be... MGM Sphere. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the lead story, wasn't it? They opened the MGM Sphere, and the videos are breathtaking. You know what's funny? All the headlines are not using computer graphics, but they are using computer graphics. They're yeah. all displays, and it's like ridiculous. Everything is. If you turn the computer graphics off, it's just a big empty metallic-looking thing, right? So it's, it's all CG. Of course. So let's bring Ken in from the green room. All right. Ken, Ken come on in, buddy. Come on and come visit with us. Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome. From, from exotic um, Utah. Did you hear all the things that Ted said about you? I might be I know. So embarrassed. That's okay. I'm a transplant here. I'm from Toronto, Canada. So <laughs> he's also Canadian, so he's super yeah. nice. This really? is all Why, how did you get to Salt Lake City from Canada? I met an amazing girl from Utah in Florida, actually, of all places. Oh. I was on 
I was uh, going to school and um, and I had a had a job where I won this trip to Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, <laughs> on my last night there, I went to some dance club that I didn't want to go to, and uh, and uh, there she was. And the rest is history. And she's lovely. Yeah, that is a great over. story. You want a trip to my with that girl? <laughs> Uh, her name is Patrice. Very. Yeah, nice. We've had four daughters since then, so I have lots of girls. So, awesome. well, first of all, thank you for the void. Wow, You're what welcome. a great run that company had! What a great story! And uh, again, Ghostbusters. I did it four times uh, yeah. in three different locations, and it was great every time. So, Ghostbusters was my second favorite experience. My favorite one was um, sort of an Indiana Jones esque. Uh, type experience we called Serpent's Eye, and I think Ted, you you tried. I saw, yeah. yeah, I did not. Do okay, that. it's I did. the other uh, one I did was, was Nostradamus. I think it was called. Yeah, Halloween kind of Nicodemus, thing. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, and, which I love, by the way. Which was that, that was a that was a cool one too. And Curtis, it was a modern take on a haunted on a haunted mansion sort of experience, and you move through it, and it was great haptics. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ken, you mentioned that that early yeah, experiment. So I had I had two other co-founders, so Curtis Hickman and um, James Jensen. Yeah, Curtis um, just wrote a book. He's coming on the show yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Curtis is is really amazing. I mean, he's uh, his his kind of angle to our trio was was really just bring in some amazing magic. Um, he was a it's one of the best magicians I've ever I've ever experienced, mm. and um, so he brought a really interesting kind of twist to technology is taking old school magic and mixing it into this kind of new new kind of magic. And um, James Jensen, um, he'd be he'd be a great guy to talk to because he's been working on a on a on a system called Jump where it's a wingsuit flying VR experience, and he's creating that out of Utah again as well. And and then I've got some new projects that I'm working on as well. So. Yeah, Jamie's a really interesting guy. Um, he's kind of the practical engineer of the group. Like he, he's the guy that gets his hands dirty, but he's the real builder. Like, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually talking about James Jensen. Oh, James um, Jensen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Jamie's also really interesting too. Yeah, right? and Jamie, Jamie's my right hand guy, and he's been involved in the projects. Um, you know, both the Void and then the start of Evermore right. uh, Park. So. So, you know, just getting back to Utah, Utah is actually a pretty awesome place. Um, if, if, uh, if you haven't been out here much, you should come check it out. It's actually a really beautiful place and it's grown a lot. It has a really big um, technology center. Um, it's just it's grown massively. So now we have all the same problems everybody else has and clogged highways and um, overpriced housing and everything else. So it's been it's been a it's been a trip to go through, but it's it's really a beautiful place, and and I think it gets a bad rap, but it's um, it's a it's a great place to kind of launch things out. It's you know obviously not the the size of the Silicon Valley. We we call ours um, Silicon Slopes or something like that. They also have to have some Silicon something, right? You know, a lot of people have moved to Park City since yeah. the world became remote. It was like, well, why not live in Park City? Yeah, and there was a lot of housing stock in parts Park City. Yeah, uh, whether you want to do Airbnb for a year or whatever, Eugene Chung moved there. Yeah, I, I call Park City the place that the rest of Utah wants to become. <laughs> so the rest of Utah is sort of catching up with Park City. Um, and uh, with all of us transplants that have come in here, it's become a different place, you know. 
I, I, I wasn't a member of the club here. I'll just call it the Mormon club, but it's, uh, it's really, you know, life has really changed a lot. I think religion's different now all over the world. And, you know, and I think, you know, post COVID, the world is, is a very different place, you know, so. So well, Ken, you should, you should tell the gang. Conversation. Sorry, sorry to interrupt that. Interesting ahead, of conversation. But since we have a limited amount of time, um, I really want to find out, you know, I feel like we're burying the lead here. Ted is in Utah with you. What's up, guys? What are you working on? Well, yeah. let, let Ken start by explaining what Evermore is and how unique it is and how, I will say, a different take on fabrication from other theme parks. That's a leading question, Ken, because I want you to talk about yeah, it. You still yeah. haven't told us what kind of a theme park it is. So let him, let him tell you about that first. It's, it's so hard to describe. It's, um, you know, everybody asked me like, um, you know, what was your inspiration in starting Evermore Park? And we've gotten a lot of uh, fanfare on it. I mean, um, BuzzFeed Bring Me came out here when we were first starting. And I think we got like 33 million views on our video. Um, so I mean, went mega viral. Um, we had a lot of articles written about us. We won some, some pretty amazing awards and some international recognition on it. Kind of, kind of the same thing happened with the void, but um, you know, what, what is Evermore Park? It's, it's really kind of an immersive storytelling experience park. You know, it's, it's kind of like stepping into uh, a story or a video game or, you know, um, a D and D world for a moment or whatever it needs to be. It, it's, it's more than a theatrical experience. I've gone into quite a few immersive experiences, whether it's been kind of Meow Wolf or um, going into um, Sleep No More in New York. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but oh, yeah. um, those are great experiences. But um, the kind of difference between them and us is that, you know, we go all in with actors and costuming and our guests, you know, probably 50% or greater of our guests that come know even on nights where we have four or five thousand people in the park they come dressed up and they come into character and dressed, dressed up as whatever they want to be i mean um, is there a theme yeah there's there's, theme, gen right? there's general themes and seasons that we do so our summer season is sort of like it's it's like a renaissance fair but the difference is and we call it mythos but we do sort of mythological renaissance fair um, but we have kind of questing and gamification and design of um, experience inside of it. So when you step into the gates of Evermore, you get to step into kind of a different kind of world. Now, I don't want to oversell it in the sense that it's not everything I want it to be. And I'm really, you know, from the beginning, I looked at Evermore as a test bed, as a park. It's not a gigantic park. It's a smaller park, but it feels a lot bigger inside there. Wouldn't you say, Ted? Like it, it feels like a much bigger place. Um, and the way we designed the park is I went all in to try to recreate kind of an old European village um, and all the kind of things that my wife and I and our kids loved when we went to different places in Europe. And, you know, there's this cool thatched uh, tavern inside of it. I always wanted to have some amazing tavern. And we have this... Um, kind of French country like candy shop in it and we've got an old graveyard um, and by the way almost everything in it is real including tombstones that we brought back and everything's kind of um, 
you know, we brought back antiques from all over Europe, probably something like nine large containers of antiques were brought back. Um, it took us over a year to kind of source everything. We went out throughout all of Europe and um, just a few of us went out there and kind of scouted it with uh, help with a logistics company and, you know, brought back like statues and columns. I mean, we have things as old as like a thousand years old, but um, a lot of the pieces are from the Gothic era. And we wanted to build those into the environment as like part of the set design. Um, Cause there's just a spirit in that artistry, right? It's, it's artistry from back then. And it's touched all these points of history. So we knew it would bring a detail that you just can't really get anywhere else. And it makes it more immersive. Yeah, I think it's it's what's so interesting to me about Ken's journey with all this is when you go into a, a Disney World or Disneyland, for example, it's inspired by history and then fabricated. What Ken has done is certainly there's a lot of fabrication because it's a theme park, but the bulk of what he did was essentially scoured the earth and found these old relics and these amazing things that were either going to be destroyed or left to kind of rot in their original place and rescued them and brought them all to Utah and rebuilt them and reassembled them and then built story around that whole concept. So as you move through the park, you're going through these different little lands like you would at Disney or Universal, but the lands are mostly real and mostly historical and then he wanders through a story ethos through that, through those pieces that he's basically been able to rescue. And part of the most interesting thing, because obviously Halloween is his biggest time and you know, there's so many people that gather, is the haunted area of that is extra scary because it's not just plaster and cardboard and fake. It's actually real stuff. So... Ken, quick question. I was just in, in Europe at, at Europa Park. I don't know if you've ever been there. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I met with Michael Mack and a whole story for another time. But like everything there was like, here's a castle on the grounds from like the 1400s. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the relics are real. I'm wondering, was, was something like that? Because these European parks were actually inspirations for Walt Disney. Yeah. Um, and I think Europa was one of the places Disney might have visited before he built Disneyland, where in America, it's often we it's all synthetic and fabricated. But when I visited Europa, I'd never been there before. It was like, wow, everything here is real. Like these, this Roman villa is like statues that are a thousand years old, and and all the relics. And the, and the castle isn't Cinderella's castle; it's an actual castle, oh, yeah, castle with yeah. armor from the 1400s. And the yeah. people that own the park actually still live in that castle. Yeah, um, it's kind and of that. If I would have had right? the money, I would have built a full castle. But um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't bring a full castle back, but um, we did bring key pieces. And I mean, stone is stone, right? Stone is old. So, uh, you know, when we build a lot of our buildings, we use real stone. It has real like lichen and moss and stuff on it. And it's 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 old. Um, and then we built pieces into it. You know, uh, we have uh, a mausoleum building and we brought pieces of an old mausoleum back. So we have this Gothic arch that's a part of it. We have these finials that are like uh, from uh, the 12th century, um, things like that. And, and again, these really key statues. So some were kind of reclaimed pieces, some were like major historical pieces that were in collections like private collections. And what's interesting is a lot of the collectors we talked to, 
They didn't want to part with it, um, but they weren't showing anybody their pieces and they wanted people to really experience them and enjoy them, but they loved so much our concept of people being able to be in the environment and like see it and touch it kind of thing. They actually wanted that. And, and our guests have been really respectful. I mean, we've had no damage to anything. People just don't, like people are saying, well, aren't you scared that everybody's gonna bust all your stuff or steal your, your items? And I, I really don't think we've had anything stolen. Um, and we leave things pretty accessible so that again, it feels that much more immersive. Like we have these ancient books and uh, a lot of pieces that we brought back were from a kind of a religious um, collection group and they were out of Belgium and um, so they supplied a lot of like um, set designs and stuff with their real pieces for like um, Game of Thrones and things like that. And so uh, they, you know, they would rent those pieces and we ended up buying a lot of those pieces and then bringing them back permanently to Evermore. The other thing um, that's kind of amazing this, this summer in particular is as part of the, your park design, I'm sort of speaking from a knowledge point because I've been there a bunch, um, is you put a lot of greenery and topiary and, and native plants and things. And because of all the water, because of all the snow this winter and now the water this summer, it has completely bloomed and blossomed. Like your vision yeah. of all yeah. those plantings. And apparently you did a lot of that planting yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also yeah. That's the thing is this is a labor of love. Um, I mean, my wife and I have like literally put everything. We had a tech company that we were successful in. So my background's been more kind of like I started out a fine artist. I was, I was a painter in Canada, um, sold paintings and galleries and stuff like that when I was younger. Um, but like every starving artist, you're a starving artist, you got to figure out like a real job. So I got involved in technology pretty early on and kind of made the, the, uh, the back then very frowned upon conversion into kind of 3D animation and video game development and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, so I took kind of my real world art experience and then my experience, I would say like, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm an artist first, you know. Um, and I took all that experience and just years. Uh, Evermore was a very meaningful project to me. I didn't build it per se, because I was trying to, you know, just make a whole bunch of money on it. In fact, it's just really been the opposite. It's drained most of our money at this point. Sure. Um, and really trying to fight our way through this. But, um, you know, I, I had some pretty rough experiences as a child growing up. I won't go into all the nasty details, but, you know, came from a kind of abusive father type home. I was out of my own when I was like 15 years old. And, um, and I had some really great experiences with some wonderful people. One of them was a, a Dutch family um, by the name of Vanderpost. Um, and, you know, uh, the dad really became kind of my surrogate dad. And he was just, just like, he was like Geppetto, you know? I mean, I think that's why I got this mustache going here. <laughs> so he, um, he inspired me and it was just, he was this painter and, but he was also sort of an entrepreneur on the side and, and he was an inventor, tinkerer kind of guy. And he always did these amazing things every season and he, and he invited kind of neighborhood kids in and in a, in a real pure way, you know, just, um, just magic, you know, just creating magic. And, and I'm sure, you know, going back, it wouldn't have been as magical, but as a kid, it was like bigger than life. It was like the most amazing things. He do these amazing Halloween 
uh, decorations and events and stuff. And he would do Christmas stuff and he would do all kinds of things and everything was just magical. And um, it, it really saved my life back then. I mean, you know, just a life of, um, you know, tough childhood and depression and things like that. And it had such an impact on me and it set my imagination free and really gave me this shot at, you know, being a little mini creator for a moment. And I took all of that. And over the years, uh, you know, my family and I carried that torch and, you know, I had a successful tech company called DigiCert that I created, um, which I should have held on to for a while because it's gone on to become a much, much bigger company from when I sold it. But, um, you know, the important thing is, is uh, you know, we did well and we wanted to kind of give back something to the community and do some things that Tony would do. And so we, we created this amazing haunted experience at our house and we did this uh, ghost pirate adventure and this kind of haunted graveyard kind of experience and very Disney-esque because we're all big fans of Disney. My wife, if she had her way, we'd go to Disney World and Disneyland, you know, several times every year. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we love Walt's vision of everything and you know we're just like anybody else we enjoyed that kind of creative stuff and we so we kept building this up and we had people coming from other states not just from like our local community they're coming from california they're coming from all over just come to our home on and in 2012 i mean we had like over 10,000 people and a couple of days come through our house like it was just nuts like it was almost crazy to watch how many people were coming in and people loved it. And uh, what we kept on hearing for one night, and again, I'm not professing to say that we're better than Disneyland, but for one night, everybody said this is better than Disneyland. Like we literally heard that over and over again. And it was interesting because it was in the details. Like for us, it's all about the details. It's like how much detail can we put in the set designs and in the kind of pieces and realism and characters and kind of the fun kind of storyline and people felt just walking through that immersed and that's where you know the concept of evermore came from i said if we can do that for a night why can't we do a whole bunch of adventures and so yeah, why can't you do it every night of the year right exactly yeah so so from that crazy idea we you know well I, look your story your story is inspirational i think a lot of people that listen to this podcast charlie and roni see if you agree will find it really valuable because a lot of them that choose to listen to our podcast versus others are on a similar journey very few yeah. get as far as you have in terms of what you've accomplished and what you've tried and the art of success and failure and how you manage it all but and you know what what strikes me hearing your story is how big you think <laughs> yeah he's a big thinker exactly yeah, I, I so, love that. So with that in mind, with the time we have left, which I know is limited, um, I want you to talk a little bit about your vision for the future. I want you to talk about the grid, which is your other themed attraction that's right across the street from Evermore. So it's all in the same place. Um, and you guys should get a little sense of what he's doing now. The, the G on his shirt, is, that logo is the grid. Yeah. So give him a few minutes to, to pitch that because it's amazing what the grid is. So yeah, after, you know, so kind of getting back to the void, um, I won't go into kind of the slightly negative aspects of what was going on, but I, I, I felt like the grid started sort of at, at the time losing its way a little bit in the direction that I wanted to take it. And so we kind of mutually agreed to kind of part ways. Uh, James Jensen also did the same thing, kind of parted ways. 
Curtis is still involved in, in, in the kind of next version of that project. And, you know, I think he's doing some really great things um, in his own right. So we've kind of all three of us gone our own directions. And the, the grid was kind of my version of what I wanted the, the void to be. Um, that's why there's kind of some similarities in, in the branding concept. Um, but I, I wanted to take um, the, the whole concept for me is I wanted to create these kind of large box indoor kind of like regional and, and instead of being like a family entertainment location, I'm creating these what I call experience parks or like experience um, centers. And the whole idea is to kind of take the best of the best in technology, um, not necessarily creating everything from scratch, but if there's like gaps or pieces that are missing, then we'll create the kind of technology gaps that we need, uh, do some original IP and some original kind of pieces to it and, and bring those together to create these really amazing um, entertainment locations. And one of, the, one of the things, you know, we, we have to be successful at this one, um, you know, Evermore's getting there and it's actually starting to kind of turn the corner, um, knock on wood with everything going on in the world. But, um, uh, you know, post COVID, COVID was a, was a big hit to us. Um, and unfortunately I started both of these projects just pre COVID. So it was, a you know, it was a tough time and everybody's kind of gone through it. So we're, we're, we're in the same boat as everyone else. The, uh, the main the main sort of point of the grid, the main attraction right now, and then you keep growing it, is high performance electric kart racing. And yeah. it is the most thrilling sort of adrenaline based because they go really fast and they're quiet. Imagine a bunch of little miniature Teslas all racing together <laughs> on an indoor track. So it's yeah. all inside, right? Because Utah gets cold in the winter, right? It's all inside and it is so much fun. And then because it's Ken, there's a bigger vision around it, but his first attraction, the thing that drives people to it now is this yeah. amazing race experience, which is so I much- am, I am so going there. Yeah, I, I, like, I like to say we can combine kind of a roller coaster and a, you know, and a, and a race track together, right? So it's like controlling the roller coaster. Um, you know, you get to go up, you know, hills and banks and counter banks and, you know, it goes up three stories and um, and you go really fast, like and you go really fast, fast. Yeah. and you know they're kind of like you know the Ferraris of of like you know go karts. I mean they're yeah. just they're sick looking carts. They it's <laughs> just fun and racing's kind of tried and true. Everybody you know it's never kind of lost appeal. Uh, there's adrenaline you get from it that you can't get from simulation. It just you can't kind of match it. Um, so we wanted that to be kind of a core, kind of like a foundational attraction in it because it's big, um, you know, kind of Top Golf has got its big, you know, you know, thing with hitting balls on this gigantic green and gamifying it. We wanted to have kind of one big attraction. And then we wanted to have a lot of really amazing uh, attractions beyond that. So we're developing some of our own um, uh, IP and technology. One of, one of the things, I, I won't go into too much detail because I don't want someone kind of stealing our idea, but I'm, I, I like combining physical and, and digital or virtual kind of effects together um, or experience or augmented experience in a sense. Um, so we're really looking to kind of take a lot of um, 
augmented technologies and integrate those into other kinds of experiences. So one of the things that we're testing out right now, which is really fun, is to do uh, a virtual racing experience, but tie that into kind of high-end electric RC carts, and um, but put you in the driver's seat of that cart um, and be augmented into it while you're still racing a physical a physical vehicle in a sense. It's, it's great for uh, also kind of the participants that are in there to watch and experience it while, and then want to jump into it. So it's kind of a lower cost point kind of experience and you could be drunk, you know, you could have some drinks and, yeah, not and do it and not, you know, kill yourself. And you're not gonna go to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's a, it's a different kind of experience. That's one example. Um, you know, the other example is to kind of take things that we learned from the void and kind of, I'm really interested in augmented reality and obviously what Apple's doing with its new technology. So we're looking at a few different ways of kind of approaching it, but we're gonna create these kind of multi-purpose um, augmented kind of experience uh, rooms. We're, we're even uh, creating our own kind of studio to, to work with third parties to bring some really exciting content to those pieces. Um, and the grids, you know, this is our flagship location because we're in Utah, so we're building it here. Um, and it's actually been quite successful. It's, it's already profitable and, and growing. But, um, you know, we're gonna build grid locations uh, throughout the country. So we're, we're already targeting about five or six markets we're going into. These are really big box locations. I mean, the smallest locations are going to be about 150,000 square feet up to 200,000 square feet. So, you know, our kind of motto is you go bigger, you go home. Um, <laughs> and I, I think what makes the grid really unique is that we don't only just approach it from a technology perspective, we approach it from an art and music perspective. So what we want to do is we want you to walk into a completely unexpected environment. Uh, when you come in, it's immersive, it's themed out. The kind of theme I went with is I love the kind of deco eras. Um, and especially in the 20s, there was a lot of futurism, a lot of kind of vision of technology in the future, especially the kind of metropolis style. So we're doing kind of um, an industrial kind of 20s um, kind of feel to it with a retro twist because I also love the kind of you know experience I had in the 80s and and the video game you know kind of the old arcade uh, video game kind of feel so I've kind of meshed those two things together I like to say like Great Gatsby had a baby with Tron and spit out so it's, it's a remarkable place both Roni and Charlie you guys you, now now you probably know a little more Charlie you always ask me why are you going to Utah you go to Utah a lot what's going on <laughs> now you've met my friend Ken you could probably start to connect the dots as to why I'd be spending so much time with Ken and what we're drumming up together um he and I have a very distinct love of, uh, of the same sort of concepts and we have really interesting discussions and conversations about where entertainment should be going and how do we get it there um so it's it's fascinating i mean i think we should have him back again oh yeah he's a he's a really we should do guy. a show from there we should do a show a live show yeah. from there. we absolutely should we absolutely should that'd be a fun setting so when when did you launch um the parks uh you know opening? 
Evermore kind of happened. It's kind of interesting because I was first designing Evermore back in 2010, 2011, kind of 2012, I got more serious about, and that's when I sold uh, my company DigiCert and had some resources. I had some gas in my tank to be able to kind of take some of the vision and move it forward. Um, I thought I had plenty to do it, but, you know, like everything, it costs a lot more than you think it's going to cost. And it's a lot more work. Like it's been a hundred times more work than I would have ever imagined. Roni, Roni knows that story as well. That, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, very much so. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it was a difficult journey, but um, yeah. So we started back then and then I had a detour in that one of the experiences I wanted to create inside of Evermore was, was, you know, kind of a living VR experience, like walking into a portal and being able to visit some worlds. And I, had this sort of like ancient aliens kind of concept uh, of this uh, environment I wanted to create to go into it. And so we were starting to design out uh, things that eventually became the void. And, and so I put some money into that, into the, into the kind of seed capital of developing it. And it became kind of its own thing. And, um, you know, we, we put out kind of like a video and we started thinking about like having a brand around it. And then we just spun it out as its own, as its own thing. And, um, and so I had a distraction for a while um, of kind of creating that and getting that going. And, um, but I still had this huge passion to create Evermore. So I kept it kind of popping along. And then eventually, um, you know, we completed the for the most part, the construction inside the park in um, in 2018. So in 2018, we kind of officially, uh, towards the fall, we officially kind of opened up the park. Uh, it was very unfinished. Um, that's why I said for the most part, it was done. Anyway, that's another whole long story, but um, construction went over and um, costs were a lot higher and, you know, not, not a fault of the developer, you know, the, the developer was a great person and, you know, understood the artistic vision. It was just a difficult project to build like way more than any of us that could have imagined. So what's, what's great about you, Ken, is it, like for the people that listen to this, we bring a lot of people on that would never be as transparent about the struggles and the challenges. They always try and put this kind of gloss on everything, that everything is perfect, that there's never any problems. And, yeah. and what's great about, I mean, certainly in our personal relationship, we talk about this a lot, the challenges of doing things that are new, right? The challenges of things yeah. that are pushing the envelope. And the fact that you're willing to talk about it so openly about your personal journey, the journey of the company and willing to sort of let people know behind the curtain how freaking hard this is to do. Yeah. And it is not a straight line. There are yeah. so many failure points along the way and just dealing with all the humans. Well, they just closed, yeah, they closed about. the Disney Star Wars hotel. Right. Um, kind of a similar uh, concept, right? That you build yeah. a place. Well, we work, we, work with, we work with Disney and Imagineers, right? Um, we, we had a relationship with Disney as the void. So, I mean, I worked with a lot of the same people involved in those projects and we shared a lot of ideas. I love the Disney Imagineers, by the way. They're, they're just great creative people. Um, you know, the corporate side of it, not, not as big of a fan, but I, you know, I love the creativity of, you know, all the foundational pieces of that company and, you know, um, hats off that created some really amazing things, but it's very, very difficult to do this. Um, 
you know, we've had to do all kinds of iterations. You know, our big problem was just how much cost it is to try to create fully immersive experiences, almost like one-on-one -on -one experiences with people that can't, can't really be done because when you have an actor, it costs a lot of money, you know, per actor, per kind of almost like just a few people. And how do you scale that, you know, again, and that's the difficult part. And I'm really looking to, um, you know, um, AI and, and uh, augmented reality as being kind of the future of this. You know, one of the things that I'm kind of working on is the idea of, um, and working with a couple of different companies on this technology, but to really create sentient level, almost like characters inside of the world, right? That you can actually have interactions with and it can scale to large numbers of people. Um, that's kind of my fuller vision of it. And I still think that having humans as part of that, you know, some key actors and kind of utilizing kind of like humans and more kind of like highlight areas and then using kind of these other technologies to create more kind of, um, you know, present, I'm in this story kind of adventure. And that's that those are those are kind of the future things as part of Evermore, but it's also things that we're going to integrate into the grid as well. So, yeah, well, it's congratulations! I, I know everybody listening to this is going to be as uh, excited to see this as uh, Brody and I are. Ted, thank you for bringing in Ken. My uh, pleasure. Ken, thanks thank for you. having me. Thank you for joining us. This has been a fascinating talk, and I'm sure it will continue. Sort of, there are so many directions you can go in talking about this. I can see why Ted is coming back uh, again and again. And for those who don't know Ted's broad portfolio, uh, Paramount or uh, CBS, Viacom CBS is looking at location-based uh, projects uh, like these very carefully. And uh, if not investing in existing ones, at least something like this will really influence, I'm sure, their thinking. Yeah, it's now all part of the umbrella of what we call Paramount Global, which is our, our moniker for the future. So Ken and I do have a lot of fun. Anybody that comes to Utah, there's plenty of things to do, obviously, in Utah. So if you're going to make a trip this summer to go see the state parks, do a little diversion and come to a place, place called Pleasant Grove, Utah, and check this stuff out for a day or two. It's really quite remarkable to see it. Have a great weekend, everybody. You too. That's Thank our you. Bye-bye. Thank you.